The great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that if you understand the distinction between the law and the gospel, you are a master theologian. Well, today on the Pactum episode 100, we want to help you to become a master theologian. And if you already are one, we just want to encourage you. Yes, one of the big problems in the church today in evangelicalism, in reformed communities, is a failure to understand, a failure to distinguish between two important things, the law of God and the gospel of God. And today we're going to be talking about these matters. It's episode 100 That's right. of the Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth, joined together with Mike Grimes. Mike, happy centennial. Happy centennial. Happy 100. We made it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Feels May- like a huge milestone maybe in my this life. Will, maybe this will be the last episode. This could be it. This we is the end. Cue the door song. This is the end. This is the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some apocalyptic kind of Vietn- Vietnam show. <laughs> Oh, man. We're not going to do that. No, we're going to try to make it to 101 here. at least. We are yeah. celebrating. Hopefully you can feel our – how do we say Celebratory. Celebra- our, I can't even say Our it. celebratory vibe here. As a celebrity, I have a hard time <laughs> celebrating anything other than myself. We're vibing on the 100th episode here on the Pactum. We are. Yeah. yeah. So we, to commemorate okay. our 100th episode, not only do we want to talk about one of the most important things there is to us, law and gospel, as you've already mentioned, yep. uh, but we also want to do a giveaway. We're going to do a giveaway, because we a are, contest. we are kind. We are gracious. It's Let's going to do, be amazing. Okay. What are we going to give? Okay. So for this contest- 100 yes. something. No, no that would, that would no, cost too much. It would. So because we're talking about law and gospel, we're going to be giving away- one of our gospel shirts. Mike was reaching was for reaching. it. If you could hear reaching. Mike reaching through there. the microphone, through your earbuds. One of these gospel Pactum t-shirts. Because we hate gospel That's when right. you blur law we and don't. gospel, but we like being provocative and the shirts are pretty rad. Yes, they are. They say on them gospel, and it says it's a noun, the damning mixture of law and gospel. We're going to be giving away three of those but that's not all you're going to get. You're going to get the shirt. That's not all. That's not all. There's more. There's basically <laughs> Tell these... us what's behind door number three. <laughs> There's, you're going to get a Pactum pack, we're going to call nice. it. Nice. So three of our Pactumverse listeners are going to receive a Pactum pack. In the Pactum pack will for sure be a Gospel t-shirt. And then beyond that... Some other stuff, some stickers some maybe stuff. with stickers. John Nelson Darby's face uh, on them. We've got... We've got buttons. We've got all sorts coffee. of stuff. We've got metal emblem signs. We got coffee beans. It's coming your way. So here's how you can enter to win one of these three Pactum packs. I'm dying to know. Are you ready? Tell me. Here's how you do it. Pat wants to know how to win a Pactum pack. These, this contest is for our devout Pactumverse listeners. So as you're listening, hopefully you're listening on release day of episode 100 and you're going to mention us or tag us, however that works on the interwebs. You're going to mention us or tag us in either a Twitter post or a Instagram post. You can post a picture of something. You can just say, the Pactum is the most amazing podcast you've ever heard in your life. You've got to listen if you don't already. Yeah, if you say something negative, <laughs> we're going to, you don't we're, you're going to get a Pactum punch. That's yeah. what you're going to get. There, so, well, something. I'm not giving those out, but Pat will give you the Pactum pat punch. So, Tag us or mention us or however that works on the internet on Twitter or Instagram. And the first three people to do that are our three winners. Oh, we'll perfect. We'll announce those 
Perfect week. Pactum Pack Not Pats Punch. Yes. But thank you for being a part of the Pactumverse. We're so thankful for all we of are. our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you for sticking with us for 100 episodes. Maybe you're new to the Pactum. I know we even have some newer listeners who are working their way through all 100 episodes. Welcome I'm to the sure. party. Welcome. Welcome. Water's warm. Come yes, on in. We're so thankful for the Pactumverse and the opportunity we have to do this. And full disclosure, episode two yes. was on law and gospel. It was. And it was one of the most popular episodes. Yep. And... Uh, Two, for two reasons, we want to celebrate that today because it's, and we want to do so because it's important. We also think maybe the show's a little bit better, yeah. so we're going to review a little bit, but we're also going to give you some new stuff regarding law and gospel. I think we should probably call this one something different. We can maybe call this gospel. We're going to call it gospel for yep. sure. Okay, yeah. that's good. So today, what we want to do is answer some important questions that have to do. These questions have to do with law and gospel, yep. and why this is an important reality. Why you need this if you're a pastor. Why you need it if you're a Christian. By Bible reader, Bible teacher. Uh, It's vital. It's important. It's essential. I don't know how else we can say that it's an important matter, but maybe let's start with this question. What makes it so important? Yeah. Well, it's important because for starters, it's important to the gospel. The gospel (laughs) is of first importance. First Corinthians 15 says, so you'd better understand the gospel. And we're talking about the law and the gospel, how they relate, how they are different, how they, in a certain sense, work together. Right. Yeah. Um, It's also important because people who get the law gospel distinction wrong. People who do do gospel, whether they realize it or not, people who are weak here, yeah. they end up either getting justification sola fide wrong, yeah, or yeah. at best they're fuzzy. Ooh, fuzzy. Yeah. So if you if you want to get the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls, Mike's cracking up. Fuzzy. It's fuzzy. It's yeah. fuzzy tech. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> fuzzy wuzzy was a bear. Oh boy. So. It, you're either going to get justification wrong or you're going to be unclear, as I like, yeah, I yeah. like to say. You're going to be fuzzy on it. So, And if it really is that important of a doctrine, and it is, you'd better understand law and gospel. Let, yeah. me, let me put it another way. Typically, when people deny this reality, this distinction, um, they, they, they teach justification by faith and works hmm, yeah. on purpose or on accident yeah. <laughs> on bad days. This, this will help you to not do that. It'll help you to not lose your ever-loving Protestant <laughs> mind, your ever-loving Protestant hermeneutic, yeah. if you will, and uh, sound more like a biblical Christian. Yeah. So it's important for that reason. It's important, therefore, to the doctrine and reality of assurance. Yep, yep. It's important to Christian obedience and to understand that we obey out of a out of a position of gratitude or safety. Yep. So it's important for all of those reasons. And as I already alluded to, it's important for not only preachers, Bible teachers, uh, and, and those kinds of people, but it's important for anybody who reads the Bible. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We want you to ask Absolutely. the question, is this law or is this gospel? Yeah. Any To any given statement, any given text, is it law? Is it gospel? Which brings us to the next question. Yes. And that is... What what is it? What, yeah. what is law gospel? I was, I was just about to say we better explain what we mean. <laughs> what by law is the law gospel. gospel distinction? Yeah, sometimes we call it the law gospel paradigm. I'm not sure where that came from originally, but I don't mind using it. So, what is the law gospel paradigm? Well, here's what it is: when you read a text, you say, "Is it law or is it gospel?" And by law, we mean what God requires, uh-huh. yep. and by gospel, we mean what God graciously provides. Yeah. So. What you want to do is say, okay, law is what God, the way you want to think of this is, is this talking about something that God requires? Is it a command? Is it a demand? Uh, Well, that that could be labeled for convenience. Oh, that's law. Law, yep, yep. 
And if it's what God graciously provides, uh, salvation is of the Lord, we say, oh, that, that's a gospel statement. Mm-hmm. It's what he graciously gives. Yeah. So it's a helpful tool to always be able to say, okay, is this law, is this gospel? Yeah. So pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, you, can't, you don't find uh, the law-gospel distinction. You don't find this articulation in 3 Timothy. Yeah, right. You don't find it in 2 Galatia. <laughs> <laughs> or Second Nephi, Second Nephi. <laughs> the Book of Mormon. Um, but what many Bible students have thought about before, before us, and we'll talk about the history and who's held to this before. But but they've said, all right, the Bible's filled with commands. The Bible's a huge book, yeah. And there are all of these commands, and yet there are all of these promises. Well, maybe it might be helpful. And today on the Pact, and we're saying it is helpful yeah. to say, law is what God requires, gospel is what God provides. Yeah. So at any given time, you can say. Our gospel, right? Yeah, and he, yeah, <laughs> and you can you should be able to say, "Here's what it is." Right. So it's this approach or this way of reading your Bible, interpreting, understanding the Bible to be able to see what are these two categories and what I'm reading, where does it fall, and that'll really help you understand the Bible. Yes, as and, a whole better. And what Mike just said is so important when he talked about categories, because in so many ways. Christian theology is about categories. Yeah. Right? The Bible oh. it, it, the Bible is not alphabet soup with a bunch of verses mixed together. <laughs> um, no, it actually spells things and it's on purpose. Right. Categories, yeah. categories, categories. Yep. And uh, people who have really bad theology uh, end up not having clear-cut categories. Right. Not imposed on the Bible, but derived from the Bible uh, that we're able to see clearly. Yeah. So when we're talking law and gospel, do we mean just... Old Testament versus New Testament? <laughs> Please, no, that's not what it is. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, 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 but, no. But no. I, right, but when people hear you speak, oftentimes they think that's what you mean. Yes. Because they think, oh, Old Testament is law, law New, Testament, New Testament is gospel, and uh, that's not what we're talking right. about. Yeah. Um, the Bible might speak of law regarding the Old Testament sometimes. Sure, sure. Uh, but not all the time. And what we're talking about here, the law gospel distinction, the law gospel paradigm is not that. Yes. So, and, and that's for good reason. So we, the Old Testament has gospel in it. Yep. Right? Yep. When you learn about Abraham, there, he, he heard the gospel. That's what Paul even says in the, old, in the New Testament about, about the Old Testament. Yeah, right. So there's gospel in the old, what God graciously provides. There's yep. grace in the old. Uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord right. yep. is one translation of it. So there's that. But we also end up having in the New Testament law. Yeah. Yes. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And lots and lots of commands commands. in the New Testament, what God requires. So let's get that straight first in our minds. And I think for the rest of our lives, we will have to clarify that one. I I think so, for sure. You ask people, what do we mean, law, gospel? People frequently are going to say, law, Moses, Ten Commandments, gospel, New Testament, Jesus. I mean, that's typically what people are going to try to think. So when you are teaching the Bible, when you are dialoguing with people, just think like a good missionary and know people might not be hearing you the way you want them to be hearing you. So you'll have to explain yourself, which is not a problem. We'll keep doing it if it helps people. So we hope to help you to be able to be better at doing that with law and gospel. Yes. Categories, categories, categories. So what's the biblical basis then for law gospel paradigm? 
Jesus. Je- yes. <laughs> the, uh, the correct answer pastor, for any it question. sounds like you're describing a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. I know it's Jesus. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, uh, Jesus is good. the answer. Okay, let's start with Jesus. That's What's a good the place. biblical basis? Luke 10 is a classic text. Yes. We could go to Matthew 19, but how about Luke chapter 10? Uh, and, and hearing what Jesus says really will help us with understanding the law and what the law requires, and then it'll beg the question, okay, how can we solve this problem? Because it creates a problem for sinners, the law does. And then we'll talk about the gospel. Mm -hmm. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So far, so good. Mm -hmm. So an expert in the law, a lawyer, he asks Jesus about eternal life. What do I have to do to gain eternal life? If we keep reading, it says, he said to him, what is written in the law? Okay, so far, so good. Uh, How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So, and it's eternal life because that's what verse 25 talked about. We've talked about this text probably a lot on the Pactum. We'll keep talking about it. And uh, if you don't understand the distinction between the law and the gospel, you're going to make gospel out of this. Right. Yep. And gospel isn't even good on salad. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's just chopped up badness blurred together. So, but this is, this is strict law. Right. Yeah. Well, what do we do to gain eternal life? What do I have to do? What you have to do is perfectly obey. Love yeah. God, love neighbor. Perfectly is what this guy says. And Jesus says, you know what? You're exactly right. You must do that perfectly and you'll gain eternal life. And we would want you to know as you're listening, nobody's, nobody's done that. Nobody can no, yeah. do that. Well, actually, only Jesus, right? right only right. Jesus is the perfect last Adam who perfectly obeys to gain eternal life for those he represents. But here we're seeing law is love God, love neighbor, and that would certainly be true. It would be good. It would be righteous. The problem is nobody's ever done that because right. nobody has ever been able to keep the law because we're in Adam. Mm. So we need a representative. We need Christ Jesus to do this for us so that we might live eternally. And uh, and he does. Yeah. That's why the Bible says he's Jesus Christ, the righteous. Like in First John, Jesus Christ, the law keeper, Jesus Christ, the law obeyer. Mm. Do this and live. He did this so that we can live. We would call that gospel, gospel right? Yeah. We would call that gospel. But this is a law text. It's not a bad text. It's a good text. But what he's not saying is, oh, yeah, you better get busy. You better do more. Try harder. Right. No. Yeah. Because Jesus is talking to this man who's a son of Adam, if you will. You're right. Yeah. And so it's it's white knuckle. Take the gloves off law. Yeah. On yeah. the East Coast, they might say lar. Lar. <laughs> Jesus is preaching law to this man. Uh, he's not preaching gospel. Um, right. He's yeah. not. Jesus is not all of a sudden confused about how to get to heaven. In principle, this is exactly how you get to heaven. You're just perfectly obedient. This is why confessions say things like Christians before us have said things like you'd better be uh, obedient to God perfectly, personally, perpetually. Uh, the problem is nobody does. So yeah. it's because of texts like this that Christians who've gone before us, who've thought through categories, have said, Jesus, in the gospel, 
according to Luke, is not preaching the gospel to this man. Right. He's preaching the law to this man so that hopefully, by the grace of God, we might say, this man would see his emptiness, he right. would see his yeah. futile life and look outside of himself for one who could meet the obligation for him, who would be none other than Jesus, who didn't come to abolish the law, right. but to fulfill the law. So, right. so hearing that law drives him to his need for the gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So we, w- we would go to text like this one uh, and not make it a gospel text. We would make it a law text um, because we, we want to see what God graciously provides through his son in meeting the obligation. We call that gospel. Yep. Yep. Law and gospel. Yeah, you could call it. You, you could use different labels if you wanted to, but why would you just try to make up new stuff? <laughs> um, this has already been done. It's tried and true, and it's a good, simple way to remember uh, the distinction that is made. Yeah, but it is really interesting how many times people who don't have a clear distinction between the law and the gospel, this paradigm we're talking about, they'll go to a text like Luke chapter ten or another text, and they 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 just make it this. Gospel, yeah, and, and it's so confusing. And w- wait a minute, I thought salvation was of the Lord. And wait yeah. a minute, I thought yeah. salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of the finished work of Christ alone. And you're making it sound like I've just got to do more, try harder. Right? Yeah, that simply is not the case. That that, that doesn't jive with Ephesians two eight and nine. So right. now, do we have contradictions in the, in the Bible? No, we have law yes. in the New Testament. Yeah, maybe like never before, as oh, clear sure. as day, we have law. Yeah, and that's why. Again, those categories are so important for us to understand because as you're reading the text, if it gets confused, then you're placing all this unnecessary undue burden on people, obey, 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 when really it's rest and obey out of that new safety and security in Christ. Indeed. Let's move on to another question, and that is, so if the law is what God requires, well, then what is the gospel? Well, I guess we've already answered that by way of review. It's what God graciously provides in Christ. Hmm. So, for example, 1 Corinthians 15, I've already mentioned it or alluded to it. Uh, Christ died for our sins. That's a first importance. Christ died for our sins. It's It's what he did for us. It's what God did for us through his son, Jesus. And we would say, oh, that's gospel. Mm -hmm. He did something for us to benefit us. It's not what we did uh, in any way, shape, or form. It's his work for, important word, us, for our sins. Christ died for our sins. We know from 1 John chapter 3, sin is lawlessness. Oh, he died for our lawlessness because we didn't love God with heart, soul, Mm -hmm. mind, and strength. We didn't love our neighbor as ourselves. He dies for that to make atonement so we can be forgiven for not doing that. Yeah. And we could look at other texts, but I think that's a great classic text. Yep. It's for us, but it's not done by us in any way, shape, or form. Right, yeah. So that's what we mean by gospel. Law is what God requires. Gospel is what God provides. Yeah. Right? Yes, absolutely. So is this something new? Is this something we're making up here <laughs> on the Pactum for the Pactum verse? Or is this something that there are others maybe historically that have affirmed this? Who affirms this law gospel distinction or paradigm? Right. It's definitely a Protestant doctrine. So if you're a Roman Catholic, you don't hold to this doctrine. We think you should. Yep. And if you yes. do as a Roman Catholic, wonderful. Awesome. Water's warm. Come on over. <laughs> Come on in. It's deeper over here than the <laughs> water over there. <laughs> but it's for sure a Protestant doctrine. It's not new. It was held by Luther and one shape, form, or another. Also, yeah. those who followed him, uh, Calvin as well, Beza as well. So it is a it is a Protestant 
kind of doctrine. Some people say, oh, that's Lutheran. Well, yeah, it's Lutheran, and it's also Protestant. Right. Yeah. So that would actually be uh, an important matter. So here's Beza. This is classic. We've mentioned this before on the Pactum. We did it on episode two. So he comes after Calvin in Geneva. He says this. It's, it's vital. We divide this word, talking about the Bible, into two principal principal parts or kinds. The one is called the law, the other, the gospel. Then he says, so there it is right there, pretty straightforward. And he wasn't a Lutheran. Right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He goes on to say, for all the rest can be gathered under the one or other of these two headings. We must pay great attention to these things for with good reason, we can say that ignorance of this distinction between law and gospel is one of the principal sources of the abuses which corrupt and still corrupt Christianity. Hmm. So Beza's, Beza's dropping some good words there. Uh, we could talk about others like William Perkins in his classic book on Christian preaching. He was not Lutheran either. No, yeah. Um, Spurgeon would affirm the same kinds of things, the master theologian, master of divinity. Um, so we have Baptists included. Yes. So right. Lutherans, <laughs> the Reformed, and the Baptists. Baptist, yeah. So I think that kind of covers the gamut. Yeah. So this isn't new to us. We're not making it's, this up. It's not new to us. We're not making this up. Uh, these are well-worn paths. Yes. Sometimes yeah. they're forgotten because people say, well, we're just going to start over and just start reading our Bible. Well, that's fine, but it's probably going to take you a while yeah. to figure out good, robust, clear, biblically faithful categories. Right. So I'm going to look at the cheat sheet and yeah. say, how have Christians thought about this right. before yeah. us? Yep. Yep. And let's not commit chronological snobbery. <laughs> chronological <laughs> snobbery. So when we're talking about this law-gospel distinction, uh, it makes you wonder, does does this remove any responsibility from the believer to obey? So we're saying law, what God requires, and then the gospel is well, what God graciously provides. So therefore, does that mean that the believer has no responsibility whatsoever, removes I, that? That's a fair question. So we... That That's a great question. I think we need to be asking the question because if Christ met the obligation for us, right, what God requires, and then God provides one to meet the obligation, I guess we can just do anything. And right, that's, yeah. that's not right uh, because we're still called to obey the law now out of a place of safety, out mm, of a place yeah. of gratitude. So Romans couldn't be clearer that we are justified. Uh, everything is settled. Everything is done. And yet Romans has commands to Christians to live like Christians, right. for example. Yeah. Jesus did the same thing during his earthly ministry, talking to people who were trusting in him, believing in him, and he would call them to obey. Hmm. But yeah. we don't obey for our justification. We obey because of our justification right. uh, out of a place of now we're in the family. Now we yeah. want to act like we belong to the family. I think John 13 is a great example of this, uh, where Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you. This is John thirteen thirty four and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, I want to say that's not new. <laughs> right. That's not new at all. That That's as, that's as old as the hills. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that is... That's that's back to the garden. So how is it a new commandment that he gives to them that they love one another? Just as I have loved you, that gives us a clue as to what makes it new. Mm, yeah. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Well, a lot of things could be said about it, but let's at least say it's new because now he's addressing people who are in a new status. Mm. Uh, a new spiritual condition. I don't have to do this now to be justified uh, because I already am in Christ. So I don't have to do this to live, to go back to our text. I now am alive in Christ, and so I'm going to do this. 
And so it, it changes. But notice there is obligation. Right. It's, yeah. just, it's just not obligation to gain eternal life. That's already been settled. And now I want to live like I have eternal life because I do if I'm in Christ. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. I think that might help us. It also maybe should be stated that in Reformed theology, as uh, Reformers and those who've gone before us have come up with categories, they say, well, there's the first use of the law that drives you to Christ to yep. show you your need. Uh, second use would be the civil use of the law, which is not really what we're talking about right now. It's not in purview for us. But then there's also what they call the normative use of the law or the third use of the law. And, and that is, oh, obedience out of gratitude. Right, sure. So uh, we are not anti-law, antinomian. We are pro-law, really pro-law. Let's just know the right category. So God requires perfection. We don't meet perfection. We look to Christ to see what God provides, which is gospel. Now, because of the gospel, now a new status, we want to do the right thing. So sometimes when you hear Christians say third use of the law, that's what they're talking about. Right, yep. Yeah. And that's important just to be able to understand that. I'm a new creature in Christ. Now I want to obey, but I want to obey for different reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about the, those who don't like it. Right. What's not to like, What's Mike? What's not to like? I don't think... I, are there anybody that would really yeah, say they don't right? like this? The, right. Is, and we can probably categorize them in different ways. There are some who who oppose it on purpose. There are some people who just don't know. Um, sure. And yep. other kinds of opponents like that. But for sure, when you say, okay, who doesn't like the law gospel distinction, the law gospel paradigm? Well, for obvious reasons, Roman Catholics don't right. like it. Roman Catholicism yes. doesn't like it because they teach justification by faith and works. Yep. And so it would make sense that it's somehow a combination. It's synergistic. You do your part. God does his part. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that there would they would be one. Um, also, if we want to move ourselves into the Protestant realm, Karl Barth hmm. uh, was not a fan of any such distinctions. Sure. Yeah. Which I think probably knowingly or not, that's why other people maybe don't like it because they're influenced by Bardian sure. kind of thinking. Sure. Yep. We're not big fans of Karl Barth, and that is an understatement on the pactum. <laughs> so uh, Daniel Fuller, who studied under Barth and was John Piper's mentor, didn't want anything to do with the law gospel paradigm, mm. which might give you a little hint sure, yeah. as to why law gospel's not been clear, even with the young, restless, and reformed right, of right. certain stripes. Yeah. Uh, a guy named Norman Shepard, who taught for a long time at Westminster Seminary, Philadelphia, uh, he was against the law gospel distinction. Oh, amazing. No wonder. Eventually, he teaches is justification by faith and works, yep, a yep. lot like Dan Fuller did. So also, to going down the list, those who are associated with theonomy, uh, not, I'm not saying all theonomists, but definitely there have been those in theonomy uh, in that circle that they have not liked the law gospel distinction. Yep. Uh, Andrew Sandlin would be one example, and if you've not, if you're not familiar with Andrew Sandlin, uh, he's platformed by places like the Ezra Institute and Apologia, so you might be familiar with those groups. Sandlin says this, and I quote: "There is no fundamental gospel law distinction." Hmm. I wonder if he could be clearer. Yeah, I like I, clarity. Clarity. I, I appreciate. Good. I appreciate the fact that that'll help us to know that we would not platform such a person. Correct. Yeah. Because he's really opposed to a classic Protestant understanding of the Bible. He also says yeah. in the same article, the heart of the gospel, the heart of the law, is the gospel. Mm. That that's that's crazy McCrazy mm. sauce. Yeah, so that, the heart of the law is the gospel. No, that's. 
that you, you are not a master theologian, according right. to Spurgeon, if you say things like that. He also says uh, there is no fundamental dis- distinction between gospel and law. Hmm. So I, I, again, appreciate the clarity, but that that's not good at all. No, so yeah. I would not associate myself with him or the things that he promotes or those who promote him, quite frankly, because it ends up being a gospel issue. It's sure, a justification yeah. issue. Federal Vision also has been in the news lately. Uh, <laughs> the Federal Vision in their joint statement, they say, we deny, uh, even from their website, it's in italics, we deny that law and gospel should be considered as hermeneutics or treated as such. Hmm. That's 2007. Um, so I would never be able to sign that because right. we would say the exact opposite along with William Perkins, along with Luther and Calvin and co Yes. Mike, that means and company. And company. <laughs> okay. Uh, Doug Wilson said this in a lecture that he gave or a message that he gave. Uh, when we don't divide it up into law and gospel, when we don't say law over here, gospel over there, when we say it's all gospel, it's all law, it's all good. So not a big Doug Wilson fan because, again, he's not going to be clear uh, on these issues, and therefore he's not going to be clear. He's going to be fuzzy at best when it comes to issues related to justification. So la fide. Mm. Maybe he says other things that are good uh, regarding the doctrine in other contexts, but um, big red flag because it's all gospel, it's all law, it's all good. Uh, is actually not good. Yeah, that's not helpful. So, there have been others who've who've tried to say uh, Calvin was not a law gospel person, uh, but the Calvinists who came after him were, and they have been proven to be in error. People mm. like Richard Muller have seemingly given their, their life to dispelling such things. Mm. Uh, and, and proving them to not be true. But sure. we should be aware of those things. Yeah, uh, There are also those who just don't know. I have all kinds of friends. I mean, this is true for us, right? For yeah. a long time. Sure. I didn't know there was a law gospel yeah. paradigm. Yep. Yep. And so I needed some help. I didn't understand the history. Sometimes that's true of people who label themselves biblicists. Uh, because they say, well, I just, it's just me and my Bible, and I don't need to read a lot of Christian history or doctrine and understand that there is a distinction. Yeah. And we would say the distinction is in the Bible, but it's not like you can figure it out in five seconds. Right, yeah. And sometimes the biblicist approach is, I'm going to figure everything out in five seconds. Yep, pick it up, turn it open to a passage, read it. Oh, that's law. Yeah, <laughs> and you can be doing a lot of gospel. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah. so, so there's that. So. Yeah. Anyway, sometimes dispensationalists are confused about this, and I do want to say, now that I've triggered dispensationalists, (laughs) if you're a dispensationalist and you have a law gospel paradigm, may the Lord bless you, (laughs) and may your tribe increase. Uh, I'll send you a a Pactum sticker uh, if you'd like a Pactum sticker fit just for you. In all seriousness, hey, awesome, great, but you have to acknowledge and recognize that in your history— and it's been part of my history, there's been a lot of confusion in part because of the seven dispensations. And again, yeah, I, can hear right. you, I can hear you through your earbuds <laughs> <laughs> saying, well, I don't hold the seven dispensations and all. Okay, that's fine. But in your history, if you're a dispensationalist, yeah. it's been common to affirm seven dispensations and there is a dispensation of law and a dispensation of gospel or grace. And it doesn't help anything. Right. It's led yeah. to a whole lot of confusion. Yeah. It doesn't help that Lewis Berry Chafer, who is a key figure in dispensationalism in Dallas Seminary, uh, was very confused about matters in Romans 6. He wrote a whole book about it. 
And uh, so you might be confused if you're coming from that kind of background. But again, the water's warm. Come on in. Um, you can still believe in a future for national Israel <laughs> if that's what you need to do and hold to a law gospel distinction. And I mean that sincerely. Um, it, the, the world would be better for it if you would hold to this distinction between what God requires and what God graciously, graciously provides. Um, but oftentimes there's confusion in the dispensational world. Yeah. And anybody who doesn't like classic covenant theology and the distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, yep. which would relate to a whole lot of the people we've just talked about, um, yep. that they're, they're not going to be down. They're not going to go for no. No. Because the the two tend to go hand in hand. Right. So what happens, we talk about these people who are maybe opponents or don't really affirm law and gospel distinctions. What happens when a law gospel distinction is not upheld? What happens is a whole lot of confusion lot, yeah. ensues is what yeah. happens. So It gets fuzzy. Uh, it, <laughs> right? Because they're both going to – how about this? They're both going to lose their distinctiveness. Unfortunately, let the law be the law. We're not trying to be light on law today. In fact, I think we should be all the clearer about law, the gauntlet of the law. God requires perfect personal perpetual obedience. Do this and live. Mm. Love God, not not just casually or, you know, 50 percent wise, 80 percent. Love God with heart, soul, mind and strength. He's talking about, you know, all of your being. Mm. It's it's you're, you're all in. Yeah. Well, that's what God requires. So. What happens when people aren't clear about the distinction is they, they do law light. Yeah. And somehow, well, law isn't so hard and because God gives us grace. And so it's kind of a combination, a little bit of law, a little, mm-hmm. bit, of, a little bit of grace, a little bit of gospel, and I can do it. No, law requires perfection. Let's right. let it be strong and bold. And then we say, I can't do it. I'm desperate. Woe is me. You look outside of yourself. This is like Romans 10 talks about these things. Then you look to Christ, who's the perfect law keeper. Yeah. Yeah. What, you, you end up teaching legalism with a, with a smile. Sure. Yeah. Otherwise, right? right? You've got yep. the Joel Olstein smile. Yeah. You paid a lot of money for that probably. Oh, I bet. But it's legalism with a smile, legalism light, or it's going to be antinomianism. Yeah. Right. Uh, because you don't have a robust category for following the law out of gratitude now that you are a Christian yeah. uh, law gospel paradigm helps you to keep both of those things intact. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So Spurgeon helpful here. I am persuaded that most of the mistakes which men make concerning the doctrines of scripture are based upon fundamental errors with regard to the covenant of law and of grace. Hmm. May God grant us the power to instruct and to receive instruction on this vital subject. Hmm. And I think Spurgeon, what he means is when he says covenant of law and of grace, he's using slightly different terminology to talk about the same thing we're talking about. So uh, we can avoid a whole lot of errors if we get this right. Yes, absolutely. So maybe what we should do next is work through some specific texts of scripture that might help our listeners in a Pactum verse get a little bit better grasp on the law gospel distinction as they're thinking through it. Uh, so uh, I'm going to read you a, a passage and you, you tell me. Okay. And we, and we did something like this. If you are a faithful listener, we know you all are. And if you're not, you will become a faithful listener <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to other episodes. Back in, chapter, back in episode two, law gospel, yeah. we did something similar, maybe with one or two of these passages, but we're going to do some different ones. So yes. that's why you need to keep listening yes. because we've got new content, folks. New content bigger here on the Pactum. and better <laughs> than ever. So you okay. can you can play along with us. You can. The Pactum verse. You can see if you get it. Law. Or but gospel. if you are driving. Yeah. You, what, what, where do you keep your hands? On the on the steering wheel. Yeah. Right? Ten and two. Ten and two. I. You know. 
<laughs> they can't decide anymore, I think. Okay. I've heard all things from 10 and 2, 11 and 3, and I don't know what really? else. Who knows? When I took my driver's test, they said, both hands on the wheel. Yeah. Because I just had gotten used to just driving with one hand. Yeah. So, and then my mom, her carbureted car, her 1974 Chevy Malibu, Ooh, yeah. it died during the <laughs> during the test. <laughs> I thought I was going to fail because the car stopped working. Because your car quit uh-huh. working. No, it was fine. That's funny. I, I passed. So, but, All right. <laughs> well, let's get to uh Law or gospel, Romans 2.13, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. It's got to be law, gotta first be. use, but a whole lot of commentaries, commentaries, <laughs> commentators, um, they get it wrong in the way they explain it. Not, sure. not all of them. So look at Charles Hodge, look at others who are thinking like contextual Protestants. Yeah. Uh, but because it's in Romans, a lot of times, and it sounds good and true, oh, that's that's gospel, but it's not. It is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. God requires absolute perfection, and apart from absolute perfection, no one's going to be justified. The argument of Romans is leading you to 3.10 and following, there's none righteous, no, not one. So no one is righteous. No one is a doer of the law. And so no one could ever be justified in a bazillion years apart from a substitute who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Romans chapter 3 talks about these matters. So that's just law, strict law. Romans 2.13 is designed to help you to see you could never possibly do it ever, 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 even if God infused you with some kind of special potion grace. Right. So... (laughs) Uh, there's that. So let's get that in mind. I love the Calvin quote. You can look it up on your own if you'd like, as you're listening, maybe not right now, but Calvin talks about even, even small children should be able to figure this out. So keep that in mind. Let's move on to another text, but Romans, Romans 2.13 is a litmus. It is. It It needs to be a litmus. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Okay. Acts 10, Acts 10.34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Okay, so it sounds good, true, and right. God is not partial, right? He's fair, he's just, he's righteous. Yep. Uh, and in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So, Mike, I think it's all true. I, I do think it's all true. <laughs> I know it's all true. It's okay. So it's absolutely true. The question is, is Peter preaching the gospel when he says, as long as you fear God and do what is right, you'll be accepted? Yeah. <laughs> not in a million no. years. Peter has not lost his mind uh, when he says those things. Peter's preaching the law. He's clearly preaching the law. He will go on to preach the gospel. He's been preaching the gospel before this. So Peter doesn't lose him, lose his mind and say, now all of a sudden, I just want to tell you, as long as you fear God and do what's right, you're in. Right. Yeah. He's been preaching Christ. He's been preaching forgiveness of sins because of Christ. Here, he's preaching law. These are statements of principle. These are statements of fact. Uh, He's not all of a sudden out of nowhere denying that conscious faith is required for salvation. No, God is just. God has always been just. And as long as you're a good person, wink, wink, everything will be fine. Well, no, everything won't be fine because you're not a good person. And he goes on to explain the gospel after that. Then he says in verse 36, as for the word, that is the revelation that he sent to Israel, preaching good news. Oh, there you go. Of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Hmm. So he goes on to talk about that justifying peace that Paul talks about in Romans chapter five. So I, I, I so love being 
liberated, being set free with a law gospel paradigm to read a text like you just read in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, and I don't have to try to somehow teach salvation by works. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because Peter's not doing that either. No. But it's amazing how many commentaries are going to do that to you. (laughs) All right, let's do one more. One more. Acts 24. Acts 24, 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Okay. I Faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah. He's preaching gospel to Felix and Drusilla because you have to trust in Christ, trust in Christ Jesus for salvation. Yep. That, that, that's, that must be gospel preaching. It must be gospel preaching. Yep. He goes on, verse 25, and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away from the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Okay. So it's good that he's struck with fear. There, I actually would say, he's not preaching gospel. He's preaching law. Law, yeah. Right? Righteousness means, to be righteous means to be an inherit of the law, to the law. Righteousness and self-control. You better have self-control because that's what God requires. And there's a coming judgment. That's law. Yeah. So pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty empowering as a Bible interpreter to be able to see, oh, God requires righteousness. God requires self-control. There is a coming judgment. You're going to be accountable for your righteousness or lack thereof. So you'd better be alarmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he is alarmed. Yes. Now, also, he did hear gospel. So there's that. Yeah. Cool stuff to be able to figure out, really. Yeah. It's the categories wonderful. are super helpful as yep. you're reading through yep. scripture. Most definitely. All right. How about resources? There are some good resources that we can recommend. Yes. Uh, first, we'd recommend to you Christless Christianity by Mike Horton. There is a chapter in that book about yeah. law and gospel that really, really helped me think this stuff through. So I, I can't recommend that enough. Yep. Fantastic resource for you. Also, uh, The Christian Faith by Theodore Beza. We quoted that. Yep. And also, Mike Evendroth, No Compromise Radio, has a multi-part series over on the Heidel blog uh, on his pilgrimage from Lordship to Law Gospel. I like it that, I that Mike called it, called it my pilgrimage from Lordship to Law Gospel because I know my brother well enough to know it. He wasn't going to call it his journey. His journey. <laughs> <laughs> so that is a, that, that's a great series there. So I would check that out for you. I would for sure check that out. And if you do, you're going to say, oh, this sounds like what they say on the Pactum. Right, yeah. Uh, because... Indeed, we are physically related, but we're also spiritually related, (laughs) and we're saying essentially the same things, which is why it's going to be so fun to get all of the podcasts together, because it's going to be Heidelblog. Heidelcast. Because it's going to be Heidelcast. It's going to be Theocast. All the casting. Yes. Um, (laughs) It's the cast of characters. (laughs) So Theocast, Heidelcast, No Compromise Cast, and the Pactum Cast. Yes. And we're going to be talking (laughs) about these very same kinds of things. Yeah. Because really, it's such a heartbeat for us. We hope it's a heartbeat for you. We're grateful that you listen and that you share the pactum with other people. It's really fun and exciting to see how the word gets out, and we're encouraged by that. Yeah. Don't forget, if you want to participate in the 100th episode contest we're doing, you need to tag us or link to us, whatever you call it, on the interwebs, Twitter, Instagram. First three people to do it are going to win a Pactum Pack, which includes one of our Gospel t-shirts. You can be in touch with us online, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on The Pactum.